Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Welcome to Sunday Take for February 18th, 2024. I'm your host, Blois Olson. The legislature kicked off this week, and well, this next week they'll take up some more legislation, including a fix to the tax bill on Monday. There wasn't a lot of progress on some key issues. And it struck me that specifically the school resource officer or SRO issue was one that has had a lot of talk from last summer to last fall. It garnered a lot of news coverage from law enforcement to school administrators to parents and kids. Everybody seemed to have an opinion. Did it need to be fixed? Did it not need to be fixed? Well, The issue of stability and discipline and not having chaos in our schools is one of the topics that I get asked about a lot. And since we've had months to deal with finding a solution or a fix to the challenges of the SRO bill that passed last year, I thought this would be a good show to talk to two people at the center of the discussion, the negotiation and whether or not the bill can be fixed. Because if all of this talking happened over the interim and legislators were listening to each other and the outside groups and parents, it would seem that they could get that done this week. But they didn't. In fact, the House laid it over, the Senate had it in education policy, but didn't make a lot of progress. And so what are the dynamics of that, not just as that issue, but as an issue, how does it get done? We'll talk to Senator Zach Duckworth and Representative Cedric Frazier about that issue, how it will get done, and you'll have to let me know if you have confidence that it will be fixed or it won't be fixed, and how quickly might that happen this session? When we come back, Senator Zach Duckworth. Temp check. What kind of summer are we having this year? A family road trip summer, a beach bum summer, or a wake me when the sun sets summer. With Instacart, choose your own adventure and skip the shopping side quests. Where available, you can get ice cream delivered to your hotel, sunscreen to the pool, or cold brew to your bed. Well, door. In as fast as 30 minutes. Wherever you find yourself this summer, you can get the goods. Download Instacart for free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Excludes restaurants. Additional terms and fees apply. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. 
In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. The clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. It's better over here. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. A left 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. My first guest this week is Senator Zach Duckworth. He's a a senator from Lakeville, Minnesota. He's been on a school board. He uh, understands these issues. Uh, And we're talking about SROs. And like I said in the open, we're not talking about uh, the issue uh, and all the details of the issue uh, as the purpose, but we're talking about the process. Senator Duckworth, thanks for joining me. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Um, Senate at an education policy committee hearing this week, you heard an SRO bill. Um, it was clear to me that, um, there was still the, the thing that stood out to me was after months of discussion, debate, supposedly, you know, background conversations, et cetera, the issue still seems stuck. What's your sense of where resolving people's concerns with the SRO issue is and what is it? going to take to get it unstuck uh sure what i I think the the quickest and easiest way to to get us unstuck would be is if we just kind of repealed or erased what was passed last year and kind of started over i know that's you know likely very unrealistic um but i don't think there's any harm in admitting to folks or to the public hey you know this this law had the unintended consequences and effects that it did let's just take it off the books for now and let's have a deeper conversation about uh, school resource officers, uh, maybe a, some sort of a model policy, some uniform standards regarding training. Let's 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 have that discussion as a legislature. Let's dive into it. Let's get stakeholders. Let's get feedback and look at it. But in the meantime, uh, let's pass the fix that people want. So school resource officers are, are back in buildings. And I think that's kind of where things stand. How do we how do we bring about the immediate fix that people want and then still also as a legislature, give ourselves the time to do the due diligence regarding this topic that people clearly would like to do. One of the things I wanted to kind of review, and it's not my nature to always look backwards or even look backwards very often, but I don't remember an, uh, an issue that kind of stayed in the public's conversation for so long after a session and still didn't have res- resolution. And now you know, you referred to it in committee about the conversations, the meetings that happened before session started this past week. What were some of those conversations, both with your colleagues on the other side of the aisle, Democrats and and with the stakeholder groups? Sure. Well, you know, I, I think and I've always erred on the side of being as transparent as we possibly can. I like the idea of the work and the discussions that we're doing and having taken place uh, in front of the public as much as, as humanly possible. Right. Obviously, we're only in session certain points of the year. So that being said, you know, over the summer, uh, law enforcement, school districts, cities came to us and basically said, hey, this law you guys put on the books last session actually is going to have some pretty significant impacts uh, to us as we're beginning to start the next school year. 
this was sort of in July and August. They were getting ready to start school in September. And that caused us, you know, uh, Republicans to kind of spring into action and say, hey, this needs to be fixed. Let's call a special session, bring Republicans, Democrats together, pass a bipartisan solution. Uh, well, we were told, uh, first, there's no issue. It's not unclear. It doesn't need to fix. Well, now fast forward and people do admit that we need to. But boys, to answer your question, what happened is, you know, we kind of made the first move. We put out some potential solutions or suggestions that, that we could approach to, to fix the law. And, you know, we're kind of waiting or hoping that Democrats would engage us and stakeholders in conversations to fix it. Um, I put that stuff out there. I, I did have a member of the DFL in the Senate reach out to me. I emailed all the bill language that I had available to me at the time to that senator and said, hey, you know, obviously you guys are in the majority. You know, whatever we can do to help, let us know. Let's actually make something happen. But then, you know, it was kind of quiet between then and beginning of session. When when you talk to the stakeholder groups that are stuck, law enforcement, school boards association, League of Cities, um, you know, education groups, there's there's talk about it being about words. Obviously, that's clear in law that words matter. But what's the philosophy? What's the spirit? Obviously, nobody's arguing against safe schools, but yet in, there just seems to be this like, I don't know, multifaceted confusion or obfuscation of what the real issues are. Well, unfortunately, I think you're right about that. I think the confusion has occurred because the issue has been politicized. To your point, everybody agrees that we want safe schools, we want kids, teachers to be safe in the classroom. They need a safe learning environment if they're going to be able to learn and succeed academically. That's not the issue, but that has been muddled uh, by all the uh, partisan and political aspects of the bill. Really, it's two different, it's two philosophies that are coming to a head voice. Number one is, uh, do we or do we not support law enforcement? Are we or are we not comfortable with school resource officers being in schools? I obviously subscribe to the philosophy that, yeah, of course, that's an okay thing. Uh, I believe it makes kids and teachers in schools safer. So yeah, why wouldn't we uh, want to have that as an option? The second philosophy, or excuse me, um, the second school of thought uh, is whether or not that decision should be made at the local level and by school boards, communities, and parents. Uh, we as legislators in St. Paul don't need to pass a law that mandates whether or not school resource officers can or can't be in school buildings. That's for school boards to decide at their level. So the, here's the thing, uh, whether or not the law passed or whether or not we fix it, what have you, does not negate the fact that if a community doesn't want school resource officers in their building, they can work in conjunction with their school boards like cities like St. Paul have to say they don't want school resource officers. Right. So those are the two different philosophies at hand here. Do we want the opportunity to have school resource officers in buildings or not? And do we also believe that that decision should be left up to our local uh, school boards and communities to decide for themselves? My guest is Senator Zach Duckworth. We're talking about the SRO issue and that a lot of time has passed since fall, since issues were raised with the law that was changed last year and what can be done to fix it this year. And you, in a hearing on Wednesday, were clear in kind of your questioning of Senator Westland, your Democratic colleague. You talked about conversations you've had. I don't I, I don't want you to, like, reveal private conversations, but usually when you work on a bill and you have a conversation with a colleague and they hear you or don't hear you, what's the expectation of either how your thoughts get put into the bill or how you, you know, it's not put into the bill because one of the things I want listeners to understand is that a lot of the work that goes into these bills, we never see. And, and this is one where there was 
there, there was kind of a lot of time to do your homework and get it done. And everybody seems to have um, kind of thought they had their work done. And then in the first week, all of a sudden, people feel like, well, maybe this assignment's going to be late. Absolutely. I think I'll speak for myself. The only expectation I have in regard to working across the aisle is that people are not disingenuous with the public when they talk about what's happening behind the scenes and the progress that is or isn't being made. Um, I'm not an overly critical person, but I think it's pretty obvious to see um, that the the press and the public were told one thing. They were told all sorts of meetings and progress and things are being hashed out behind the scene and that we were going to have a fixer ready to go come day one of session. When in reality, the first week has passed. We have no idea what this actual bill is going to look like. It's been tabled in the House and in the Senate. They didn't take any of the amendments that the House had already been willing to accept. So that shows me for all the talk of, um, hey, we're here, we're ready, we're prepared for this, knowing the issue was going to come, that really uh, they've been caught in a position where that work hadn't uh, actually been completed or uh, they hadn't actually finished or or engaged in conversations with the stakeholders as was necessary to ensure that we were going to pass a fix that actually brought about what people were requesting. Uh, So I think that's where where things currently stand. And I don't want it to, to sound like some conversations aren't taking place or aren't um, leading to some progress. That is the case, but I'll be very transparent with you, boys. It's very clear to me. The work on this is being done by, uh, is being done in the House. House Democrats uh, are leading this along with Representative Jeff Whitty and other Republicans, and the Senate is along for the ride. Uh, It's kind of a a repeat of last session, but in, in reality, both the House and the Senate should be engaged on this. That's how we get better legislation in the long run. Uh, we have two different uh, chambers in the legislature for a reason. It's not for just one to to control and dictate the entire process. And unfortunately, that kind of seems to be what's happening here with this bill. Why do you think that is? And 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 I I just I ask that straight up. Why do you think that the Senate is taking a backseat to the House on this issue? Um, because. I, I'm just trying to understand the dynamics and I want listeners to, to kind of look at this bill as the way other bills happen. Certain bills have a reason to go from one body to the next, et cetera. But, but this one, you know, there's a lot of people and a lot of conversations and a lot of voices, any sense of why the house is the Senate DFLers are deferring to the house. It has to do with the, the, uh, necessity of math and getting the votes that they need to actually pass stuff. I I can think of a lot of bills last session that by the time we pass them out of the Senate, uh, we as Republicans have been able to work with Democrats a little bit to actually pass more sensible or reasonable versions of the bill only uh, for that bill to go to a conference committee with uh, Democrats and come back to the Senate as the, the version that was in the house. I'm not, I can't think of one version last session the Senate passed where it went to conference committee and came back looking like the Senate's version, always came back looking like the House's version. And so I think uh, they have a caucus over there that uh, is a little further left-leaning that they have to satisfy in order to get votes to pass legislation. As it pertains to the, the school resource officer bill, we very well could be in a position where Democrats in the House need Republican votes to actually pass the bill and pass that fix. And that's the only reason why uh, folks like Representative Jeff Whitty and others are being a part of that process and conversation over there to bring about a bill that's going to be better and actually bring about a fix. It's because they're going to need Republican votes. Just like last year, the only thing we truly kind of got to 
have a say in was the bonding bill. Why? Because they needed our votes. Why do you, well, that makes sense. And and it also seems that they're probably going to need some Republican votes in the Senate um, as well. And so as we watch this going, you know, one of the groups that has been publicly quiet is law enforcement. I know you talk to them regularly. Uh, They, they did not hold a press conference this week. They did not send out letters. Where are they at? How have they communicated this week since the session started? Sure. Uh, Well, first off, I don't blame them for uh, staying kind of quiet. Really, it was outside the norm for them to do what they did last session, but that shows you just how dire of the situation it was. Uh, The minute they come out and offer a very reasonable explanation in terms of the need for a change, they're accused of all sorts of really uh, disgusting things. Um, And so I think they're trying to allow the legislative process to to figure it out, to try to keep it as non-political, non-partisan as possible, to stay out of the mix. But boy, there's another huge gorilla uh, sitting on the sidelines that also has not leaded on this. And that's Education Minnesota. Where are they on this issue where, as it relates to their teachers? Because it applies to them, too. And teachers are just as concerned regarding the lack of clarity or the things they're not going to be able to do anymore to help in situations where they could intervene to prevent harm to students or others. So to me, it's very interesting that not only we have law enforcement groups not weighing in, that we also have that group deciding to stay on the sideline too and not testify or offer any sort of um, opinion whatsoever regarding a bill that impacts every single school and student, public school and student in the state of Minnesota. Last question here. Uh, School safety is a talker with parents. You've been on a school board. You are a parent. Um, And I'm not just talking about school shootings, which are uh, tragic, awful, and uh, parents in a family in a school's worst nightmare. I'm talking about disruption, fights, misbehavior. And I can say that because I was a kid who got a couple timeouts in my life before. I know you're (laughs) shocked. Um, But nothing like today. Um, What do you hear from parents about the social sense of schools and the their their worry about the disruption and and kind of the 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 prevalence of misbehavior uh the the sheer amount of discipline issues and disruption in uh, public schools today compared to just not that long ago um, is trending in an alarming direction and i don't mean that to be critical of this isn't i'm not trying to make this a, a republican talking point and i'm not shifting the blame at democrats at all because i don't think that's constructive in the conversation but there's no doubt there's no question uh, that uh, discipline is becoming much more of a challenge for our teachers and administrators in our school buildings. Every school that I visited between the last session and this session, they brought up to me the fact that uh, the laws that we are passing as a legislature that negatively impact or restrict their ability to uh, maintain discipline in their schools is having a dramatic and significant negative impact on their ability to ensure they're providing a great learning environment for students, uh, regardless of building. So the takeaway on that is, uh, as a legislature, when we're passing laws and we're putting mandates in place for school districts, we have to know and ask ourselves and get feedback from stakeholders. Is this going to actually prevent them from doing the job we need them to do every day in our schools, or is it going to help them? And I think more times than not, the good ideas that occur in St. Paul that we then mandate to the local school districts come with second and third order effects and consequences that make it more difficult for them to do their jobs. And that's what we have to stop doing. This law, the the school resource officer law is a prime example of that. 
Senator Zach Duckworth, I know we'll talk throughout the session and uh, great to have you on Sunday take. Thank you, sir. When we come back, Representative Cedric Frazier, he's the Democratic lead in the House on this issue. He held a hearing this week as well. We'll get his perspective on why the bill was laid over in the House. I'm Blois Olson. This is Sunday Take on News Talk 830 WCCO. My next and final guest for our Sunday Take this week is Cedric Frazier. He's a state representative. Uh, he's a DFLer, and he's leading the conversations in the House on the SRO bill. Representative Frazier, thanks for joining me. Absolutely. Good to see you again. Good to see you and talk to you. And um, as as this SRO uh, issue has been talked about, been deliberated, been discussed, debated, you know, one of the reasons I said at the beginning of the show, I think it's interesting is because um, it's been happening for months, both publicly and privately. And here we are the first week of the legislative session, and we're still trying to figure it out. Can you talk about the process that you've undertaken to try to find a fix that makes various parties satisfied? Absolutely, Blois. You know, when uh, when we heard, when the concerns were raised uh, in the fall, you know, kind of right away, we, we started trying to think of ways that we can bring people together to kind of move forward collaboratively and, figure, collaboratively and figure out how to do what's best for our kids um, and, and, and what's best for all the stakeholders that are involved. So as part of that process, a group of legislators have gotten together along with with folks in law enforcement, along with folks in education, that's including teachers, superintendent, um, principals, uh, assistant principals, um, but also uh, in law enforcement as well, but also bringing in a youth voice, um, bringing in community members, bringing in parents, um, bringing in folks that have ex- expertise and backgrounds and how to address particular issues dealing with our young people within the school. And I think what folks really need to understand is that there, there are a lot of different pieces and folks that touch our schools on a daily basis. And so part of this process has really been trying to ensure that we bring in all those voices and figure out how to do what's best for our kids. And I will say the common thread throughout all of these conversations since we've been having them with the uh, with stakeholders is that we want to make sure we're doing what's best for our kids and what's right for our kids. And we want to make sure we really get this right. When you start to add stakeholders to any discussion, uh, my experience tells me it doesn't get more simplified it gets more complicated. Um, how do you weigh the various voices? Cause you know, in this environment, there's the loud and the proud voices that sometimes aren't as mainstream or don't represent as many people or, or interests as say schools in different parts of the state or law enforcement in different parts of the state or school administrators in different parts of the state. How do you as a, as a chair and as a leader look at those voices and, and try to, you know, kind of take a little from each one of them and and make this recipe work? No, that's a great question. And so when you look at the way we kind of engage these stakeholders, like I think about, you know, I'll, I'll start off with an example from the education uh, perspective. These associations represent our our superintendents, our administrators, our school boards. Um, they, they represent the groups from across the states. So not only are they able to speak um, of, from those perspectives, but they have the ear and they have the ability to contact and reach out and bring in those multiple perspectives from within those associations. And I think that's that's an important way to do that. I mean, as opposed to us surveying everyone around the state, we've got the associations that they are 
are um, involved with being able to bring those uh, bring those voices up and raise any concerns or provide any insight and give feedback and, and be a part of the process as we're looking for solutions. And that's the same with uh, with any of the youth groups. I mean, for example, in our in our bill, in the current proposal they have in front of us, we're including the Youth Council, which is a council that was developed to touch every district in the state and have youth representation um, from across the state. And I really think that's one of the best ways to ensure that we're having a a, a very multitude of voices uh, from all different areas in the state to be a part of the conversation. Uh, you raised kind of a couple things here on that. Um, law enforcement was really quiet this week. What are they saying privately? You know, they have a certain currency with their voice on this issue. Do you feel like you feel like there there's something that they're holding back right now, or are they playing wait and see? No, I wouldn't necessarily say I feel like that there's something that they're holding back. I think what they're trying to do is kind of figure out where is the where's the best way for them to fit into this conversation. Um, you know, I think they I think, you know, early on they were very vocal. You know, we, we're here because they were very vocal um, early on in the fall. We're also here because uh, the, the 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 community groups, the parent groups uh, and, and some of the, the 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 young groups were also very vocal about what they wanted to see. Um, they've continued to be vocal. I think law enforcement was vocal in terms of raising the, the concerns that they had. I think they see us trying to uh, make a make a very um, uh, thoughtful and sincere effort to address those concerns. But I also think they I, and I know because they said this, they also understand um, the concerns that have been raised by community groups. And so I think w- what they're doing is they're, they're listening, um, just like we're listening to everyone. And I think they will uh, they will be will be vocal publicly when they believe the time is right. My guest is Representative Cedric Frazier. He's a Democrat in the Minnesota House. He's leading the efforts in the House to try to pull together a compromise on the SRO uh, bill. There's a sense, and and I think certainly in the Senate, probably in the House too, that this is going to have to be a bipartisan solution. Do you believe that that's the case? And and where do you where do your Republican colleagues fit into this conversation when you've talked to them? Well, we're definitely well. I can take. We're definitely talking to them. Uh, you know, I we've had conversations um, prior to the the bills uh, being introduced, or the, prior to the bills being introduced and heard um, publicly. Uh, we'll continue to have those conversations. You know, I always look, especially in, in these type of moments. Uh, I've I've always said that you know these shouldn't be partisan issues, and it shouldn't be a partisan issue when it comes to our kids and comes to creating environments that's safe, regardless of what's happening within the school setting. The only focus should be on the focus should be is ensuring that our kids, when they come to school, the only thing they have to worry about is learning on those particular days that they're there. And so I think if we can make this a bipartisan issue, and I think we can, that that is the best route to go because it's not, it shouldn't be partisan. And the issues that we're talking about are existing around our state. And as we know, we've got representatives on both sides of the party all over the state. One, you know, it's, it's the headlines that I think, and then it's the conversations. I know you're a parent, you hear the conversations, I hear them. The, the the disruptive school environment is real. And, you know, like you said, we just want kids to be the only thing for them to worry about is learning when they get to school. Um, is there urgency around school discipline and making sure that the school districts have and the communities have all the tools? Or um, is there a chance there's not urgency and this doesn't get done this year? 
I think there is I think there is some urgency for this to get done. I think people I think there's urgency because people say, you know, we've been admiring we've been admiring we admire problems for too long sometimes. And we don't want to continue to admire problems. We want to come up with solutions and we want to and then we want to implement those solutions. So I think that is a sense of urgency. We don't want to admire a problem. We don't want it to drag along. Um, which and I'll say this. I believe the longer you allow something to drag along, it does become it does tend to become um, a political wedge issue or a partisan issue. And we don't want that to happen, especially, again, we should be focused on doing what's best for our kids and uh, making sure that, again, only thing they need to worry about is coming to school and learning on those days. You might not have made this point, so I'm not suggesting you did, but there was this sense that this was going to move this week. You laid over the bill. What do you yep. think the expectation is? Um, on how quickly you can kind of find some solutions or, um, you know, this bill starts to advance because it has been identified as one of those issues that does need to move or that, you know, leadership said we need to, we're, we need to find that solution fast. You know, part of it, part of the process, and, and, and I've been saying this recently is that part of the process, I mean, it is a public process. It is, we have the committee hearings, we have the amendment process, and we have the conversations that we are um, engaged as we're engaging with community and we're engaging with stakeholders, law enforcement, education, our youth, our parents, um, our educators. Uh, those are important parts of this process. And I don't know, and I would say you shouldn't rush. You shouldn't rush that part of the process when you're trying to ensure that you're having those conversations and ensuring folks have the opportunity to be heard. Now, regardless of if they get everything that they want, we do want to make sure they have the opportunity to be heard so we can have the opportunity to be thoughtful about what we are modifying in the bill and being thoughtful about how we're ensuring that the end product is something that will have broad buy-in. I'm a poker player. Last question. Since last fall, have people just been playing poker or, and now they're at, they have to sit at the table or um, was there was there progress in the interim that we just haven't seen yet? I th- you know, I think to get to this point where we are to come to, with the proposal we had, I think I think that's progress. I mean, I think that happened with uh, with with many conversations. Um, and again, those conversations continue to happen. But I think it's progress to see us moving forward. Um, the fact that we got to the first he- hearing and we were prepared to have the first hearing as early as we did, that's a sign of progress. That's the fine, a sign of us moving to, uh, moving forward. Um, I would also say the fact that we we had the we had the recent hearing in public safety and then we laid it over. That's still progress. We're still moving forward, and it's showing that we're still willing, able, and open to have conversations to continue to craft the bill to get as wide buying as possible. But you know that when you lay it over, it makes people wonder. I mean, I just I, I got to say that because that's the question I got from parents in my district was I thought they were ready and then they laid it over. When's it going to come up again? And 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 it's one of the things that kind of prompted me to talk about it on this show is like, is like, is there a timeline? Is that I mean, we've had months of hearing from people and I'm just trying to I'm just trying to let the public know how the process works in your mind as chairman. Well, I think I think what the public should know is this is not uncommon. You know, we can we you can have a bill. You can think you've got the best bill possible. Kind of like Mike Tyson said, right? Everybody's prepared until they get punched in the face. (laughs) (laughs) So I would say, you know, you can have the you you can believe you created the greatest bill possible encapsulating everything. You go through the hearing process and you hear something that makes you think about think about another piece that you may want to add to that. So you go back and you have to try to have those conversations and flesh that out. It's all a part of the process. This doesn't worry me. 
this is how we do things here at the legislature. So folks shouldn't be worried about the process and worry about laying over bills. We do this quite frequently. It's not an uncommon thing. Well, anytime you can work a Mike Tyson quote into my show, I'm 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 gonna let that I'm gonna let that stand. Cedric Frazier, thanks for joining me. Good evening, man. Good to talk with you. When then we come back, this week's take. What do we really need to do in the schools to make sure it's safe and learning is the focus? I'm Blaise Olson. You're listening to WCCO. This week's take is really a topic that I can relate to. I think I've mentioned it on this program before, but as a child, I was not always the most well-behaved in school. Now, my era isn't quite like this era, and it took teachers and counselors and my mom to make sure that I got in the line. And after a few tough years and uh, some good discipline and some valuable lessons, I pretty much got in line by junior high. And as part of that, the teachers, notably Mr. Johnson, sixth grade, my mom, Bev Olson, and a couple principals were just persistent. They used tools and motivations and incentives for me to not disrupt class, not get in a fight, not kind of act out. Of course, there's certain irony that what I do now is provoke and prod, but hopefully it's in a more constructive manner on more interesting topics. And so as we think about the classroom, I understand and have had kids go through that kids have issues and they have challenges and teachers just want to teach and parents just want their kids to learn. And as Cedric Fraser said on the program, the, la- the only thing kids should worry about when they get to school is learning. And I'm starting to think that legislators need to take that in mind. Teachers groups need to take that in mind. Outside interest groups need to take that in mind that we have to focus on the learning. And when I say learning, I mean learning math, learning history, learning reading, all kinds of history, all the tools for reading, every opportunity in math. But it seems like the outlier issues, which sometimes are amplified by the loud and the proud on the left, the loud and the proud on the right, distract. But I'd like to think that the distraction shouldn't be in politics. It shouldn't be in the classroom. It should be in whether or not we're making progress with our kids in school, on tests, in graduation rates, in literacy rates. I say that it's back to the basics, and I've said it here before. But as we have this conversation about SROs, let's remind ourselves that we're putting a lot of energy into school behavior and safety which is critical, but we can't even seem to agree on that. So I urge the legislature to move fast, find a resolution, and show that you can get your work done. You said you'd get it done quickly. The first week has passed. Don't ask the teacher for an extension at the end of the session. That's the take this week. I'll be with Vanita Monday through Thursday at 620 Next week, we'll be back here with another program. You can always sign up for our newsletters at fluence-newsletters.com. Stay warm out there today and have a great Sunday. 
TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. It's over here. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allow 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months.